You're listening to the Ecological Podcast, all about our positive partnerships with horses and other animals through work and play. Your hosts are Rebecca Bayliss from Little Green Stables and Kate Blackmore from Ecological Positive Partnerships. Did you know, Becky, that we have a (laughs) Patreon site? Do we, Kate? We do! Oh, I love our Patreon site. I may be a little bit biased, but I think it's pretty awesome. Frickin' awesome! (laughs) So do you know what kind of content we have in there? Tell us. Go on, I'll tell you. So we have Forage Fridays, Muscle Mondays. We have all the sessions that you have with Trudy recorded and on there. All the behind the scenes stuff. The visits that I go do, for example, working with feral donkeys and how we get around that. All our workarounds, warts and all. Yeah. It's all there. Behaviour. Behaviour. We have forage. We have different species that we work with. We have... Fun little videos that we create on how to make herbal teas and stuff. Yeah, we have anatomy. We have enrichment ideas. Oh, there's tons. There is tons. There's lots and lots. And anybody that we interview as well, that goes on Patreon, doesn't it? Because you actually get to see their face. Yeah. On Zoom. Yeah. yeah. So our Shauna videos on there. Yeah. Absolutely. Our Heather Moffat one. Jesse Samson, Dr. Did you Emily Kisson is going on there. <laughs> <laughs> you just go to the top of the Patreon page and you can just search by the categories. So you can have training or targeting or stationary targeting. Loading. Loading. Loads of different stuff on there. It is only £8.33 a month. Yeah, for our Patreon site, which I think for the amount of content we get is great. And we have such a lovely group of patrons, but we want more people over, don't we? We We want to get the discussion started more. We do. And also our patrons will always get exclusive first choice to the events that we are holding and our CPD days. And they're in there too, actually, aren't they? They are. They are. We've got feature-length movies about feet and, and gut, gut biomes. Yeah, I know. Very so good. much content. So how can we get on... How can you find us on Patreon? Well, what you can do is just search for Little Green Stables and you will find it. And often, with our social media posts, we're linking into that Patreon site. So you can just find one of our social media posts too. Or just Google Patreon Little Green Stables. Good morning, Kate. Morning, Becky. How are you? I'm okay. So we're on Zoom now and we're a little bit late this week because you've had a tummy bug. <laughs> um, so we had to cancel our our meeting, which is a bummer, but we're still here. We're still getting it done. So good for us. And we've got um, some good things in the pipeline, which is good because we're going to be talking to the fabulous Irene soon. Oh, yes. Yeah. Just move a client around so I can get there. Um, and Irene is like a wealth of knowledge. She's done lots of scientific studies, hasn't she? What to do with horses and dogs and humans. But um, yeah, well, we will talk to her anyway. And that will be out before Christmas, which will be really good. I can't believe I just said the C word. I know, already. Oh, I'm not a massive C fan. <laughs> <laughs> is that a bad thing to say are we it's supposed a bad to thing. It? you know what i am i'm a fan at the thought of it but not actually when it's happening i always think like whenever i have these lovely memories of like being at my grandparents with my pet and whole family around and you know and i always think oh christmas with all the kids and the family and food and it's just lovely and then you get to it and then it's just no like kids are arguing over what they didn't get or and it's just never quite the same <laughs> but I go into it thinking oh it's going to be so beautiful I love Christmas and then by the end of it I'm like I'm over it let's let's get on with it the next year when, when do you when do you get your tree normally I know you're not in your house but <laughs> yeah. you normally get your tree um well I don't like to get it well now with sage things have changed slightly because sage you know attacks a little bit the tree so mm. um, I like to get it as close as possible to Christmas although James mm. likes to get it earlier do you get a tree yeah we do but normally Christmas Eve and it's normally gone before New Year <laughs> are you gonna have it in the um not where the parrots are no we'll have it in the house we always have it in the house not the annex but and no we're thing to do with your old Christmas again just quickly a great thing to do 
Can you hear me now? I'm here. Um, with your I can old, hear you. Yeah. old Christmas tree, find somewhere that has goats <laughs> and give them your old Christmas tree. Yeah. Goats love Christmas trees and they can eat them. What, so do the sheep. So do the sheep. And actually horse. some horses do as well. Some horses do. I've had clients give the horses their Christmas trees and they strip them. So, you know, I think as long as they've got other things to do, you know, and they don't, um, they're not too... Um, spiky i suppose i don't know i think i think <laughs> the horses can cope with it but um yeah so um yeah my sheep we um we had a tree that we replanted and the sheep destroyed it christoph he was called and they killed him because they ate him so now if we replant them we have oh. to not replant them in with the sheep the tree was called christoph yeah I thought you had a sheep called Christoph, and I was like, no, <laughs> no, the boys <laughs> tend to name the tree. Oh, okay, okay, <clears throat> no, so yeah, that's that's that. So, yeah, the C word, it's coming up, so yeah, it's not my favorite, no, thing, but um, you know, it's personal, really. I, my dad died the week before Christmas a few years ago, so it always has reminders of other things and quite difficult family times and I think the boys are older so actually they don't get out of bed when they used to get out of bed at five o'clock in the morning although you'd curse that you it was part of it you know it was part of that excitement and everything and now I have to like pull them out of bed for lunchtime and it's kind of like <laughs> oh my god oh, come on I can't wait for that time because we are this morning we've been up it's Robbie's birthday today so we've already been up since about five this morning so I am like all about when that older and won't get out of bed <laughs> I'll be sleeping in as well oh see now I miss that because I'm still up at five no so yeah, I'm still alone. up at five and, and at nine o'clock at night on a Christmas day I'm like ready for bed and they're all ready to party <laughs> I'm exactly the same exactly the same but there we go Never oh. mind, never mind. So what are we talking about today, my dear? Okay, well, I thought, because um, uh, some people that I've been working with have recently got a couple of new horses. And I thought I was talking to them about um, ways to create relationships and bonds, which is completely like when you get a new horse, maybe not what you think about. I know we think about the practical stuff that we need and we think about introducing horses and how best to do that and the herd. But actually, do we think that much about our relationship with the horse and how we're going to get to know them and how we're going to create that trust and that bond? And also, you know, create confidence in ourselves with a new horse, because it can be scary sometimes. I don't know about you, but like we've talked about this before as you get older you're a little bit more tentative you know like I'm sure the first time you got on Reggie you were a little bit like mm, you know because it's a new horse and you don't know it I'm the same I mean I, I don't ride any horses that I don't know um that's just personal choice but also because I don't want to because unless I've seen them and I know that they're completely okay I just you know personally that's not my bag um but a lot of people will just get on horses and just go but I really wanted to talk about the importance of taking it a bit slower and, and building that confidence in us and in our horse. And maybe like the kind of non-conventional stuff that you can do with your horse to get to know them um, from the very beginning. And so <clears throat> I wanted to start off and like you've had lots of new arrivals. And I know we always talk about the herd, don't we? And how we're going to fit them into the herd and stuff like that. But obviously there's a lot of... <clears throat> like day-to-day -day things we need to take into consideration. For example, when you get a new horse, things like making sure that they're tax okay. Like I always find that people um, sometimes take for granted that tack fits. If the horse comes with tack, and it, that it fits and that it's okay. But then, you know, you, oh, you're you never gonna get a horse, are you? A new horse that's like, yeah, they're perfect at everything. And if you do get that horse, I've been we've got plenty of horses that have been bomb proof and, and all of that stuff. And we know that that is not necessarily the truth. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, but yeah, so first thing, things like when you get tack, don't assume that the tack is OK. Get it checked. You did that, didn't you, with Reggie? Yeah. And and actually, interesting, this week I've been working with a, um, a co-therapist friend of mine came over and she's a lovely lady. 
and it was really good because she gave some she she's she's a physio student but she's a masterson's therapist oh, so yeah. i've known her as a masterson's therapist for a long time she's also a saddle independent saddle fitter which she's just given up actually because i think she's just so fed up of that market but um so i saw her this week and i also went to see a client yesterday who's selling their her mare which actually I was quite upset about because I do really like her mare and I was like oh well if he had a willy <laughs> but, but I can't have any more and I can't have more. but she is anyway and um so so I was kind of talking to my therapist friend about the market because prices through Covid went through the roof with horses so pre-COVID in the UK, you could probably get an all-rounder between four and eight thousand pounds. And then during COVID, that went from eight to twelve to fifteen to sixteen thousand. Yeah. So you were talking a lot of money. The market's dropping slightly, and the worry is that we're going into a recession, which is a good thing for lots of reasons, I think. Because I think the bubble does need to burst a little bit, but obviously that's causing a lot of problems for people that have got their horses it's causing a lot of the food crisis prices all of those kinds of things but we can't keep society can't keep this up do you know what I mean so so horse prices have gone down quite a bit but they're still not below pre-covid so now you're all rounder you're looking between eight instead of four to six pre-covid and then eight to 15 during covid so prices have really changed but what I was chatting to my therapist friend about, now she is a, she was an independent saddler, and she said the problem is with those budgets is you actually need to budget tack in that, into that. So yeah. you've got yeah. this budget of say eight thousand, and at the moment that's going to get you a really good all-rounder, you know, horse. Yeah. Um, nothing amazing, but. And I'm, I hate saying that because they're all amazing, but you know what I mean. Yeah. And an all-rounder, yeah. a good all-rounder, that's going to get you 8,000. But then actually, the tack is unlikely to be great. And if the tack is great, they probably want to sell it as extra or they want to sell it on Facebook or eBay because they'll get more. Yeah. So yeah. you have to then budget potentially, depending on what type of saddle you want, two to four grand on top for your tack. Yeah. Which is a lot. So so then you're talking, we are eight grand or rounder, you're talking 12 grand again. So it's those kinds of things. And I just, I don't understand. And obviously she really gets, and I think this is one of the reasons why she's so gone sour on the whole saddle front is that people will go out and spend eight, 10, 12 grand on their horses and put them in shit tack and expect them to do their job for that person and that's really I mean it doesn't know I've said to people um let me see a saddle the saddle clearly doesn't fit the the horse has got a sore back I've worked through that and I've gone you can't put this saddle back on this horse you need to get the saddle fitter out you need a new saddle and they've gone well can I not just ride until I get that done no you can't ride that until you've got that done you have to stop riding and you have to get that sorted well what if I just ride in a light seat well, what if I don't jump? Well, what if, you know, and you get all these things. Well, what if I shim? Well, what if I do a different saddle cloth? What if I put a different number on? It's like, actually, if you're a size six shoe, you're not going to fit into a size three. So don't fucking do it. And that's exactly what you're doing to your horse. Yeah. The amount of horses. You know, I was listening to a podcast the other day, and I can't remember what it was about, but it was about tack, which is interesting as well. And... Um, <clears throat> It was a there was a guy on it. I think he was a vet, and he said, "Now you know, narrow and wide saddles are not okay. They should all be extra wide." Yeah. And I and I was kind of like, "Oh, that's interesting," because you do get narrow horses, and you know. But he was saying just that pressure off that when they're not meant to be ridden, you know. So get it, get it right. Just get it right. So. um that was quite interesting because the amount of wide horses that are put into narrow saddles that pinch, and of course we are very well, um, the public as a whole are generally knowledgeable enough to know that the saddle shouldn't go past the last rib 
And so they're very good at making sure it doesn't. But what happens then is they push the saddle forward. And then of course it, it restricts the scapular swing. Well, the horses don't have a collarbone. So their scapula sits like a pendulum on the body, on the thoracic sling, and, and they've just got muscles and tendons and fascia and ligaments between the scapula and the body. So that's that scapula, if you think of it like a pendulum, if your saddle's too far forward, yeah. you're constantly yeah. gonna restrict that stride. Yeah. And the yeah. amount of people I get saying to me, I say to them, what, what's, what would you like to improve? And they say, stride length, stride length, stride length. And I look at the saddle and the saddle's way too far forward. And there's actually, I won't say the make, but I went to do a yard in Oxford when I was working with Joe doing a course. And um, we were training the yard. So we were, there was a group of therapists and we were doing our rehab clinic there. And every single person on that yard struggling with stride length. And yet there was a particular saddle that they all had. Oh, wow. Did, yeah. So it's kind of like marry that up. So, yeah, I think tack is huge. It's a massive, um, a massive area. And I think, unfortunately, don't I've got no issue with secondhand saddles I've got no issue with that as long as you've got somebody that you can trust or you know your stuff mm. to be able to fit it to your horse it has to be independent because you and I both know that you know I'll buy anything from anybody if they're a good salesperson yeah. and I think that's what and if they look nice you know and they oh, it matches. you know so there's all of that as well so I use um I've used obviously Heather Moffitt saddles I've used Andrea Hicks for Reg, which is um, the native saddle. Or she's, I think she's just Andrea Hicks saddles now. Um, and some people either love her or they don't, you know, but she's been brilliant with Reg. And so I bought him a second hand saddle because he's going to change shape. But that second hand saddle was a thousand pounds from her, which has been checked and fitted. And then when we're in proper routine which are we ever doing i will get one properly fitted for him which will be his because again you know your horse is depending on what you're going to do your horse is going to change shape you might have bought a horse that hasn't done anything for six months you might you know so it's it's so hard but yes you still don't put them in a size three shoe if you're a size if they're a size six you just don't do it so be prepared to spend that money because that's super important I ranted a bit then. That's okay. That's fine. I, I liked that rant. So what other things do we, like conventional things do we need to think about when a horse comes? So uh, feed. So obviously that's really important to find out from the owner or the people what, what feed they're on and not to change that initially, even if you're not too sure about that, is just to try and keep that the same for a little while. Whenever you're changing feed and stuff, obviously you need, you need a phased approach with that. And um, I know a lot of people that will get a new horse and will change their feed straight away, which I always find, you know, we're changing so much in their life already, <laughs> you know, and it's all quite stressful, isn't it, for a horse to move to a new environment. And then we're going to change their feed on top of that. You know, it, it's kind of it's a lot. And especially are they in a routine for feeding as well? It's a bit like, you know, dogs. It's the same with dogs. You find out what does your dog eat? What time do they eat? What do you give them when? Like, that's really important because if your horse feels like it's not, say it's coming, if you think that horse is overweight, for example, right? Been given too much, you know, whatever. And you want to get the weight off. Well, you wouldn't do that straight away. And, you know, not only because it's stressful, but also because that weight might not come off straight away. Because if that horse is stressed, then it's harder for them to lose the weight. Also, um, if you are having periods of time where there's no food available and they've always had ad lib hay, that is gonna cause them, they may even see that as like a starvation. Yeah, because a horse, if you if you change it so radically, then it even if it's like a couple of hours for a horse, they can actually think that that is a period of starvation and actually that can cause some issues and behavioral issues and stuff like that as well so really really important even if you're not agreeing with what that horse is on or whatever you know don't be changing it as soon as as they come it's just not fair on the horse really 
Um, no. What are the other things that you've had to, when you've had a new horse, the kind of like practical things, apart from introducing to a herb, which we've done a big podcast on at the big, um, one of our, one of our first, I don't know, it must've been in our first year or something we did it. I remember doing it because we had a, we had a lady. Daisy. Yeah. yeah that was lovely so if you want to hear about introducing horses to the herd you can go back to that other podcast to listen to it um which is near the beginning of our podcast but yeah what else do you think rugs obviously well, yeah rugs I mean this is what I was chatting to my client with yesterday so she's getting ready to sell her beautiful highland pony who is stunning she's a dun she's a mare she's a shame um, and I love mares, don't get me wrong. Would it be allowed another, even if it was a bull eyed Ryan, we'd say no. You've got you're at your limit. Anyway, um, <laughs> she's she's she is um she's a proper she's a proper leg in each corner. She's she's been she's had two babies, she's been broken to drive, she's a happy hacker, safe in traffic, lovely. Anyway, that's all I'm gonna say. She's lovely. 14, 14 hands, so she's kind of Cool. Um, so if anybody anybody local to us that's after her, I can vouch for her. She and the and the owner is super. So I've been doing routine physio for her. She's a lovely girl. Anyway, so um so we were talking about it yesterday. So I went out for a routine physio just to make sure because she had somebody to come and look at her. Um so so my my client had a neighbor who wanted to potentially have this mare so she rode her but the name but unfortunately and my you know this is what happens and sometimes we get caught up in it but my client the the person that came to ride the pony was too big too fast yeah okay but it was a neighbor and so she felt a little bit pressured so she let her ride him and then she fell off but it wasn't anything the horse did I think the mare shook or something and the girth probably wasn't done up tight enough or, or or my my client said it was tight enough when they left for their hack but of course because she was too big oh, yeah. it probably loosened the girth a bit so when the mare shook you know how they do sometimes they go, yeah, like, yeah. Some shake. i've had kids on, like congrats and like holding on to them on the side yeah exactly <laughs> they do that shake she just plopped off <laughs> oh. and the saddle kind of rolled over to the right so rightly so, my client was just like, I just want to check her out because, you know, I felt, she said, I felt a little bombarded because my, my neighbour said, oh, yes, I'm I'm fine to ride her and she's weight carry. She's not a bloody weight carrier. She's, I mean, she can carry weight, don't get me wrong, but not that amount of weight. So we had that discussion anyway. So I went out to give her a check and she's absolutely fine, a little bit tight in her right shoulder because lady catapulted onto the right, but nothing that, you know, just a little bit of rest and, and and everything would be fine with anyway so we were chatting about um what how to this and this sounds awful but I'm gonna say but how to market her yeah because that's the other thing you get a lot of people out there a lot of tire kickers they just you know they're pony dreaming they're unicorn watching you know all this kind of stuff and it's frustrating it's really frustrating now I don't sell horses anymore but I've sold Hang on, now you're gonna have to worry about what is a tire kicker a tire kick is somebody who's not really interested. They just come to kick your tires when you're selling a car. Do you not heard that expression before? No, I've never heard of that. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, okay. So I don't sell horses anymore. And I only actually sold one. Um, and that was my boy's little pony. And it, it it was a bit of a nightmare, but we're still in touch with them. And, and she's having a wonderful life. So it's all good. But, it, and I wouldn't, I couldn't sell again. It's just horrible. But, you know, sometimes it has to happen and I get that. Anyway, so we were chatting about how to market her and how to do it. So I said, there's things you need to do if you want the right owner, because my client is very, um, it's important to her that she stays in touch. It's important to her that the mayor goes to, so they're on, she's on a track, she's in a barn, you know, so it's important that those things she's there, but are kept, you know, so there are, so and, and there's a certain amount of, well, once you've sold her, you've kind of lost that, right? You can't. Yeah, you know you can't keep to that but at the same time she wants to make sure she's doing as best as she can to make sure this mare has this great home going forward so I said okay so she's had a physio check so that's a tick in the box yeah yeah she's had yeah. you want to make sure her her teeth are done her teeth are up to date oh, yeah. yeah absolutely that's really important and potentially her back seats now 
some people are pro-vaccine, some people are not pro-vaccine. Some people will just have tetanus, some people will have flu and tet. At the moment, you have to, if you're competing in the UK, you need to have your flu every six months. So that turns a lot of people off. So a lot of people don't bother, yeah? So that's, so, so that's something that she might get asked about. So there's those things. And of course, the tack question and the feet question. So when was she last? So when Finn arrived, <clears throat> um, my gorgeous freebie from my colleague, Rachel, um, and he's retired and he's an absolute gentleman. So I'm not going to ride him. But she did say to me, do you want his tack if you're tempted? And I said, no, I'm not tempted. I've got two that I'm supposed to be riding. I don't need an, I don't need another ridden one. Um, so I said no, because also he's 16 years old. He's done a lot. He's got some physical stuff going on um, that was investigated, but nobody ever really got to the bottom of. So I was like, no, it's fine. I don't need a 16 to warm blood to ride, thank you, as a five foot two midget. It's not, you know, it's not my bag. I'm, I'm happier on a cob, to be honest. So, um, so that was fine. So he came, and as he came off, I was like looking at him and his teeth were up to date and his vaccines were up to date and he was um regularly worm counted because that's another thing you could ask about worming and a lot of yards want them wormed um on arrival yeah. um yeah. so there's those things to think about and i'll also talk about um strangles in a minute too because that's something as well that's um prevalent to this podcast anyway so so finn arrived and his feet were like dinner plates he had jim's feet yeah and if anybody yeah. knows my jim is massive jim's feet on his this little warm blood body and i looked at his feet and i said um mine are done every five to six weeks and she said oh yeah he's there for every 12 and i was quite shocked because i'm like whoa okay um so now so we've had finn since may june july six months he's got feet that fit his body yeah no but that was something that I flagged up straight away I saw his feet and I thought right okay I'm not going to say anything because it, you know she adored him it's fine let it go you know there's yeah. some things you just yeah. don't go well I think his feet are a bit crap but he's actually got feet that fit his body now so be prepared to make those changes obviously if you have a shod horse then that's going to be different your farrier is probably going to be different they'll have different ways of doing it um, if you've got barefoot, then your trim's going to be different, as we discussed. You know, some people slip a feet, some people fit to the horse, some people have, you know, you know, you know. And and I so I think there's there's a, a, a variety. But if you're if you're transitioning from a shod to a barefoot, barefoot, remember that that's going to take some time. So if you if you've bought a shod horse and you want to take them barefoot, you're looking at a year, possibly longer, to get those feet back not saying you can't do stuff that's not true because you know I've transitioned quite a few horses some have gone really textbook easy some have had to have boots for longer some you know so it, it just depends on the individual so I think there's all of that one thing I will say about at the moment and I don't know whether it's the same worldwide because obviously we're a worldwide podcast but I know um I heard recently that in Wiltshire which in West I'm Somerset you're Devon so Wiltshire kind of not not far away um if you have a horse that moves yards as in being sold they need to have a strangles test yes yes oh what so that's that because that used to be i'm sure that was more prevalent I... it depends it depends on the numbers so it depends on um what area you are and whether we've got strangles outbreaks basically okay but in wiltshire at the moment that they are asking and this is november 22 so it could all change um they're asking for blood tests for strangles when you move yards and obviously most people move yards when they bring a new horse in okay. so uh, so that's pra that's practical so tack feet teeth vaccines worming all your practical stuff and then you want to ask all those questions like um are they good in traffic are they good with um motorbikes bicycles now, now i love this because um well i don't love it but you can ask those questions and you mm. will be given the answers to those questions how much do you think you should take on board those answers to those questions well i think we're gonna say the same old get you out saying which is it depends 
yeah so, and you really I don't think you can you can't know what a horse is like really until you start working with them because more often than not I've found I get a horse that hat is bomb proof is you know great hacking out great doing this great doing that and maybe like you know is not so great with its feet or something and then what I do is you know, after the horse is in, introduced to the herd and stuff, and we start working with them, is then we start to find that actually bomb-proof means shut down. <laughs> and, you know, all these things are actually just because the horse, you know, is accept just submissive and, and has learned condition to, to do these things because it's learned if it does it in any other way, then, you know, there's punishment included. So, um, you know... <laughs> You never really know what you're getting. You can't know what you're getting. Everybody evaluates a horse in a different way. Everybody has different thresholds for what is okay and what isn't. So really loves out hacking, but you, it could be like a really forward going horse because it's actually really nervous, you know? So, so there's only oh, so you know, I've had a, I've got a horse on my books who hacks out at great speed and she is in her twenties. The reason being is the ride is too big. So yeah. she's speed, she speeds around because it's like, I've got to get this off. I've got, you know, you, you yeah. know what I mean? If you're, you have to just run with something because it's just on you and you've got to get it. You know, that kind of thing. Well, and also she's, she's always happy. She races around the woods and I'm like, yeah, this thing's the size of your ass on it. And I, <laughs> and I, I subtly try and say stuff, but it's, I mean, she, she is, she's not hugely big, but there, that's the reason, you know, and, and I, I'm sure that's and um yeah it does i think it depends i mean i've got um flan my trusty cob who's retired now i would say he was bomb proof in traffic absolutely yes, bomb -proof in traffic. yes but um, you have a different you can say that with confidence because you understand the behaviors you understand yeah yeah you can but yeah i know i know what you mean like um, I would, every, you know everybody would love to buy a horse from you because they'd get the completely what you said they were getting. Do you know what I mean? That you can absolutely trust people. I'm not saying everybody, you know, makes it up, but what I'm saying is, you know, really we know that there's only a small proportion of people that understand behavior at this moment. So yes, you're yes. basically if... I don't think I'd be able to sell a horse because I think once you start actually being completely honest, you're like, oh, I just want them to have a lovely life. <laughs> You have them if you can not them. I think that's what happens, isn't it? So but, when um, you get a new horse, Becky, how long do you usually wait before you start doing any kind of like proper work, like riding or, you know, oh, and I'm not talking about Rum and Reggie necessarily because they have been different, but, you know, like when you have Flan and stuff, when, how long did you wait? How long did you wait for that settling in period? Well, again, I think. How long you think it should be? I think, again, it depends. I think it really does depend. So when I had Flan, he went into livery because we were moving. So Flan was kept at livery and I probably gave him about a week, which is, which is you know, and he didn't enjoy livery because he was put in a herd of big boys and they beat him up and stuff. And the lady was an absolute matriarchal witch and... Um, said he was fat so basically starved him so all the things you were saying like about making sure the food's the same she she would give him like a, a wedge of hay in a 24-hour period and he was oh, kept in a shed um basically it was a glorified shed that they'd converted into a stable and he was overlooking the arena so all the other horses were in a in a like a barn so they could see each other and he just was overlooking the arena so he could see Every time she took her stallions out and tortured them, she could see what was going on. Um, so, I mean, he was only there for five weeks, thank God. But I rode him there. So, I, I mean, I, I was, how old was River? River was only about four, three, maybe. So not a lot. Um, but yeah, it wasn't really until we moved here and we started to, I, you know, you know, I just to chill out with them, I suppose. So that's different. But I do think it depends on the horse, and I think it depends on the person. So, if if um, if you were buying a horse to ride, 
then I think if you bring that horse in and everything's changed and everything's new, but they know what they're doing when they're being ridden, then I don't think that that is a necessarily a bad thing just to carry on with that because it's something that they know and that they know that that's what's expected of them. So I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing. However, I don't know whether I would do that. I think I would let them settle for a couple of weeks before. And I think when we had Smudge, I did let her settle for a couple of weeks because she wasn't accepted into the herd. So she was pushed out of the herd for quite some time. And then Flan fell in love with her and blah, 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 blah. But so I think that I let her settle more because clearly those those areas she was struggling with and so she needed that to settle but I think it depends on the horse so Finn came settled within minutes you know he was like he was always there so he could have been a horse that you might have left a couple of days and then you would have ridden you know yeah, as where somebody would have waited and I think you're right I don't think it's very difficult to give some sweeping kind of like you must wait two weeks and then you get on your horse you absolutely right and if their job is riding and they they're really experienced in it and you know it doesn't cause anything aversive for them absolutely I agree you should carry on and um because that's what you've brought them to do but also you need to take into consideration is you may have a bomb-proof horse but is that bomb-proof horse for one area only and do you need to generalize so have they only been hacked out in the same place the same forest for their whole life like and gone say it was from your yard so they've gone from the yard to the forest back you know if that's the only place they've hacked out then you know it may be that you need to generalize a bit and actually work more on your relationship and your trust so you can build confidence in both of you and let's talk a little bit about that now um because I think it's really important to have like this multi-facilitated approach like an holistic approach to your horse so we've just gone through all the practical yeah all the the saddles the rugs the feed the everything that you know your your checklist and then obviously you've got all your like medicine and you know everything that you need to get for them and you know all that kind of stuff but there is also like the emotional side you know, and when we're thinking about the emotions of the horse and how best to um, kind of start working on that and making sure that they are emotionally stable and, you know, are enjoying being with you. And, you know, I know I've talked about this exercise a lot before, but that's because I think it's seriously under underrated and so important. And to just start by, you know, that first groom for example, is vital. That's going to give you vital information about your horse, okay? So first of all, it's going to let you know all the areas that that horse doesn't like to be touched for a start. And how big is that reaction, for example, around the ears? Are they um, particularly, uh, you know, particularly worried about that? Why might that be? May they have been twitched? May it be bad bridling? All that kind of stuff. So, you know, you can tell... Also, if a horse is shut, if the horse is just stood still, say you've got some hay in front of it and you go to groom it and it stops eating and it's just stood there, still as anything, not giving you any feedback, I would, that's a pretty good indication that you're working with a horse that's maybe a bit switched off or finds that grooming stressful or finds being tied up stressful because them stopping eating is a massive uh, like indicator that that may be happening so you can get so much information in that groom also about brushes what brushes do they like what what don't they do they move away from something do they move towards something so it's like giving them a full check over like body work are you okay with all of this are you happy with all of this and most importantly finding those really good scratchy spots because they are so underestimated in the ability of um creating relationships and rewarding and making a horse feel good and all of that so really really simple stuff you know and then you know let them smell the brushes as well let them are oh, do they go to smell the brushes that's another massive thing if they don't if they're just stood there is that switched off are they stressed down have they just have I just triggered something for them to get that inward gaze and just you know 
not be with me. So because if you've got a horse at that point is doing that, then you would start to think, hang on a minute. So if I then put tack on and then went out, you know, is this horse just doing everything that I would say, then that starts to give me a really good view of my horse and like, okay, we've got a few barriers to, to kind of get through here where we can, you can, you are allowed to speak, you are allowed to communicate, you know, you don't have to switch off. And so I think doing that really like just hanging out, going foraging, also body positioning. So leading what I really like to do sometimes is um, before we go for a forage or whatever if I lead in the arena are you looking at my how reactive are you to my body signal so say I put the horse um, usually you're on the inside the horse is by the edge of the arena yeah and you're on the inside leading so you've got the wall beside the horse so what I will do is then come a little bit in off the line and then I'll just turn my shoulders okay do you step over when I do that if I turn my shoulders this way if I'm in front of you and we're just walking are you just coming are you taking your signals off my shoulders what are you doing you know and also when you put that lead rope on when you put that head collar on what actually happens is that horse with you does it shut off what does it do you know and this real basic stuff starts to like build you a picture of your horse as well as all the other stuff that you're doing with them. It's just like this little intimate way where there's no pressure, just kind of like trying to understand, you know, where your horse is at. Because so often we see that we have these horses and it's like, he's great, he's fun, he's happy, does everything perfectly, blah, blah. But let's look at the emotions behind that. Is he just doing that because that's what he does? You know, is there a way that we can make this and carry on doing it, but make it a really enjoyable thing for both of you? And then you can use your rewards with scratches and stuff, you know, um, after that. And, you know, I always say how that trust between you and the horse and vice versa is so essential especially for when you're coming to moments of stress for example if you're out hacking and there is a big tractor you know it's so important that you got that you and your horse are kind of together and you're able to tackle that together rather than them deciding just what they're going to do or shutting down or whatever you know it's really it's such an important side of it that we don't talk about it and I think that, you know, it is important to do all the conventional stuff. It's really important to do this stuff that's not necessarily these big results or anything, but the way to get to know your horse. And also, you know, you, yourself as a new horse owner, what are those expectations on you? Where are you keeping your horse? What are, what, we get a lot of pressure a lot of pressure. And I feel like sometimes people that are listening to this podcast will, will totally get this. When you're doing things slightly differently, you almost have to mentally prepare yourself to kind of go, okay, prepare yourself that you will get comments. You will get, why aren't you out riding that horse on the first day? Why are you not doing this? Why are you not doing that? And how you're going to respond to those things, you know? And it, the more prepared you are, the smoother the transition should be um but yeah so there's there's loads of loads of things you can think about when getting your new horse like your new horse checklist yeah and I think it takes a year to know your horse Absolutely. well I think you need to do every season you need to do every day you need to get to know them and I think that's when it's so hard for the children when they grow out of their ponies because they'll they'll have that year of getting to know them and then maybe they've outgrown them and that's so hard um and I know from having you know so the first pony the, the only pony we've ever sold was my boy's first pony she was an 11-2 little Dartmoor and um she was amazing and when we got Patch who was their second pony I couldn't have ever have sold Patch because it broke me to sell Rosie, you know, and I've sold Rosie to somebody that we're still in touch with. So 
it went well it was a success but it was so hard I said I'm not doing I can't do this again and so we, we would never sold Patch because he was an old boy Rosie was eight when we sold her so she was still she had so much again we say this don't we so much ridden work to do but I mean she's not actually ridden now because the little girl the family that bought her they they bought her for their daughter and she's grown out of her but they don't want to sell her so oh so that's she's that gorgeous yeah and um, also um Becky sorry just to interrupt while I'm thinking hmm. of it also taking your horse out foraging seeing what they're picking but also doing the herbal stuff with them because that yeah, I mean, there's, so much you can, there's so much you can do spending time having a cup of tea with them um sharing a carrot or an apple you know just reading a book I've got clients that when their horses have been poorly particularly normally normally when their horses are poorly they'll sit and read a book with them yeah you know just yeah. spending time with them but that kind of stuff you can do when they first arrive as well as the all you know if you want to tack up and go out as well as that and I think I think I like my horses to know their environment outside of home so mine will go on walks so all of my horses know their outside environment for me that's very important a lot of people don't think about walking their horses unless as in in hand unless it's on rehab um or recovery or whatever so I think that um that's something that a lot of the traditional world don't do and they find really weird that a lot of our types of people then that's a, but you know what I mean yeah we do actually yeah. walk our horses and I think that that's not seen as very common that's not very common and it's seen as a bit strange but I'd like that to come out a little bit more because and of, of course a lot of the traditional world they feel safer when they're on the horse rather than on the ground and that's common as well in the traditional world and actually I think we need to you do not, not flip it I don't think we should flip it but I think we should just feel as confident on the ground as we do on the horse so I think that's another reason why sometimes new horse comes in they crack on straight away because that's where their confidence as a rider is you know yeah it's on, it's on top yeah exactly we have a like a risk review which I really like the idea of and actually you know with other horses do but it just works well at Conquest um so every new horse that comes in I'll like risk review them and I'll go through a list of things to see how they are and they're either green amber or red and this is great for anywhere you go and it goes through everything like so you've got tacking up grooming picking out um feet um hosing um like if you sorry clipping yeah like clipping. all the things that you possibly need to do with hats we've got that and then you make notes and then you you kind of come up with the profile of the horse and then that helps you like see the areas that you need to work on with them and the areas that you're okay you can go ahead and you can do this so we do the same with mounting as well obviously we have to at work and sidewalkers and lead all that kind of stuff so we have a lot of bespoke things we have to do obviously for the job that they are ready for um so that's another thing we do and then one of the I'm sure I've talked about this before but when I go to see a new horse one of the things that I do and you could do this when you get your new horse is this little like can you connect with me can you listen to me are you is your brain uh switched on uh, like you know how open not open I can't think of the word how basically determining whether shut down or not because you can get on a horse and ride it and then you know I've been through that and think they're fine but they're not so what I better way that I do it now is I watch someone else ride the horse for a start um because I find it much easier to see stuff um rather than feel it when we're riding and we know that I don't ride new horses um but also I do the little bit of connection work which is not anything to do with connection training <laughs> but we call it connection at work because it's um it is about making connection with the horse and that is okay and you can do this in the stable you can do this anywhere so you know where the scratchy space is you start scratching them give them a really really good scratch stop take one step to the side away from the horse does the horse come take a step to the side towards you does it look at you does it do give you any sign that it's like oh okay 
that it's connected with you. And if not, if it doesn't do anything or if it just looks at you, you can just go in, scratch again and then stand to the side. Do they move? Do they come to you? And that will give you a really, really good view of whether they, of of kind of how they've been taught and how, because a lot of them, you know, offering behaviors is a whole new concept unless they're told what to do. So mm. it's it's kind of also mm. lets you see like how open or easy they might be to work with. So for example, Batman, when I went to see Batman, I mean, and Batman is a big old horse, isn't he? I mean, he's big, big boy. And um, he was quite heightened in the arena when we went to see him and he was really connected to his owner and um, his owner actually um, had ME. So had, they had this really good relationship and he really like tried to care for her, but also you could see that he was like this big teddy bear, but was quite frightened of stuff. And, and he was quite, yeah, just generally worried. And, you know, when he goes, he, he would go. So um, he was with his owner and I remember I did this work with him and I really didn't think that I'd be able to get him away from his owner. I really, I thought, mm, I just don't think this horse can do it. But I tell you, within two minutes, he was like walking just by my side around the arena, just looking at me for cues was brilliant. And that's when I knew like, okay, he'll be a good horse to work with. He'll, you know, he'll be accepting. And actually, even though he didn't work out for conquest because he's a bit too forward for our clients, um, you know, a colleague of mine now owns him and the ride, the daughter rides him. And, you know, he came with this stuff. He was absolutely petrified of the saddle. When I went to saddle him up the first time, so I was doing my checks, you could literally see, you know, with their abs, you can see them pull in. Like he, before I'd even got to him, he was already bracing and tensing. Mm. So we had to work a long time on counter conditioning that. And then we're fine. We can tack him up. It's all good. We had to tack him up from the offside, but he was able to go through that process. And it's the same with picking out feet with him and the daughter's now riding him. And because he wasn't good out hacking because he was quite worried and stuff. And, you know, but from that one little exercise, I felt I was able to see that he had potential to be able to learn and wasn't like too far gone. Do you know what I mean? And there was no, you know, obviously I knew there was no obvious trauma as far as I could tell. And, you know, from the information that I've been given. So even from that, I feel like I have a, personally, I would rather go on something like that than me just riding a horse. So I, I want to see it all. You know, not just like I can see you perform great, but what I want to see is, but where are you? Where's that brain? Where's that brain at? Can you like meet me here or not? You know, and it's mm. really some horses just don't at all, <laughs> but some horses really get the hang of it and they love it. <laughs> mm. But yeah, so I think that that's a really good exercise as well. I highly recommend doing that. Yeah. And I think for the horses that don't, um give you anything it's not to say that they're written off you know no. you still but you'll there's it depends on what getting. you want doesn't it yes, exactly you just know that you've got a different road ahead of you yes yeah yeah exactly and, it helps and, you, you know, make things, a better decision things, yeah on what you really want and what what work you're prepared to put in and what it, it and I think people need to be really honest with themselves because you know, and Becky, you've been through this, you know, you kind of go, oh, I want a horse and I want to do all this training with it, but I also want to ride. But actually, how much training do you want to do with it? Do you just want to ride a horse? Because that is absolutely fine. If you just want to get on a horse and ride it and it doesn't really matter how its emotions are and as long as it just does it, that's okay. That is your money. You're well, it's not you okay. It's no, that's but, not okay. <laughs> no, but if that's your choice... You can't. If you if you want to, yeah. But if you want a horse, okay, not in an aggressive way. But so I want to ride my horses, but I'm (laughs) going to make it as great as I can. I'm going to make it as great as I can for them, and I think that's the difference, isn't it? You get some people who don't want to ride, and they don't they don't need to ride. They don't feel that they're interested in that. But I want to ride, and I'm not going to lie about it. I want to ride, and. I just want to ride and I'm going to make it as really good as I can 
you know that's I'm going to be I'm going to get you the best tack that I can I'm going to take you places that you feel safe with I'm only going to do stuff that you feel okay about I'm not going to do over the top stuff and every now and then you're going to have a treat and it's all going to be cool and that is that's the thing so if you just if you just want to get on and ride and you don't care then you shouldn't you shouldn't have you shouldn't be that yeah that's not okay but um you shouldn't be allowed but that that does happen I know that happens I've got clients who kind of care but not enough you know so I think that that happens but yeah but I mean you know also people they you know it is the reality that people will just buy horses because they just want to ride and that's all they want to do and but I guess those people aren't necessarily our listeners for a start because they'd be like, no. oh, I don't want to take all of that into consideration. But so I guess on the flip side, if you are someone that's listening to this podcast or, or more into this kind of thing, then, you know, maybe, you know, the horses that you might not want to, maybe you want to take the horses that, you know, you're being told the problems with because it's all on the table then and you can kind of work with it rather than unraveling whatever it is that this shutdown horse is not telling or yeah. you know some trauma yeah. whatever so in a way you know with you saying you know no one would buy your horse because you'd be like well there's this and there's that you're very honest but actually a lot of people would be like yeah but then I know what I'm getting that's true. And, and and I know that we're nearly, nearly up for time, but I want to just say about vettings as well, because in the UK, and I don't know what it's like everywhere else, you can have your horse vetted, which I've had lots and lots of clients where they've had horses vetted and they've failed the vettings. They've st- and that ha- that will have an effect on the price. Yeah. So the price has yeah. been dropped and they've still bought the horse because they've fallen in love or whatever. And um, the horse is absolutely fine. So, and then I've had ones that have passed the bettings and then six months down the line, something has happened and the horse wouldn't pass that betting again, you know? So I think that's also something, it's important, I think, to have a lot of checks done. I think vetting has its place. Flexion tests, I think, are pretty... Definitely. Right. So well, they can fail a lot on flexion tests. Anyone, actually, mate, like I got yeah, there's, 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 there's um, information out there to say, yeah, that the majority, you know, you can, and also you can, I've seen, I think we've talked about this before on the podcast, but I've had horses fail bettings because vets have run keys down the horse's yeah. back. Yeah. We've talked yeah. about that. And, you know, if you ran a key down anyone's back hard enough, you could fail them you know come on you know so there, so there is and I had another vet who really made this horse sore and then went to take blood and was really rough so the horse reared and then they failed on behavior and it was like oh my god you know there's so many things so <laughs> so many things and the, and the and the 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 client was livid because it was she said I should have stopped the vet I knew the vet was being harsh and you know and it just like so yeah I think there's um and also in my area I know vets that will that if you have a certain vet spec out to to um vet your horse that you're going to buy it's likely that they'll fail them if they pass you know that they must be good (laughs) you know the horse must be yeah and then you'll get other ones that will pass everything so again it's subjective and it does sometimes depend on how the vet feels on the day which is awful but you know you can spend two two grand on a vetting you know it's kind of yeah it's a lot of money so you know put that into play as well about the cost are you going to have the horse vetted so like we said if you've got that eight grand budget if you've got your two three grand for your saddle and if you've got your budget for your vetting so there's all of that too and if the horse fails the vetting what do you if you've fallen in love with the horse you know because why often yeah and also 
I guess, you know, what are they failing it on and what do you need the horse? What do you want the horse for? You know, it does a failed vetting does not mean that you can't have the horse and you can't work with the horse. And, you know, you may need it for something completely different and just want to do groundwork and it's failed it, you know, for, I don't know, a little bit of lameness or a little bit of arthritis or something, but you're not going to ride it and you're doing agility. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, I think flexion tests, the you know, there's a lot of evidence out there to say that they can be, yeah, they're not, um, they're not something to judge the horse on. Really. No, I just, um, I that if any horse that is like over seven that you do that to is bound to, you know, not do well on a flex you're bound to see a bit of lameness off that I don't I, it doesn't make sense to me but anyway I'm not a vet so it's just I think it's very harsh yes I agree agree so yeah I mean that's that's so what should we do should we go and buy this mare yeah <laughs> yeah we'll have to you're gonna have to give Brian some happy times though before that. <laughs> <laughs> no I'm not allowed I'm certainly not allowed a mare but she is a lovely <laughs> if she had a willy, if she had a willy, I'd seriously consider her alone. <laughs> right, I've just heard all the kids come downstairs because we are ready to go out for party. Birthday time. Um, yeah. Okie dokie. Well, all right, my lovely. So nice to speak to you. Yeah, and we'll off. catch up next week. Yeah, can't wait. Enjoy the party. All right, bye. Bye. If you'd like to make contact with either Kate or myself, you can contact us via Facebook. We are Little Green Stables or Ecological Positive Partnerships. Or you can check me out, Becky, on my website, www.littlegreenstables.com. We'd really like to make our podcast interactive. So if you have any questions or anything you'd like us to discuss, then that would be great. So send us a message either via our website or via our Facebook, Instagram and YouTube channels. Thanks. Bye bye. Thank you.